Hello, my name's Dave and I'm the person who puts this stuff together. A content note for this year's Getting Better Acquainted New Year Extra. I will be talking about the pandemic and bereavement. Yay. And, uh, you know, death and uh, sadness and uh, those kind of things. Not too intensively, actually. I try to look more on the brighter side in what you're going to hear. But just so you know, if you don't want to hear anything about the pandemic, I mean, good luck with that. Like, it's a hard one to avoid. Um same with bereavement really at this time um but i thought i should at least give you the heads up so you can choose to listen to something else if that is not what you need today i need to get better please make me better i want to get better 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 acquainted with you today we're getting better acquainted with 2020. Uh, well, at least we're getting better acquainted with my experience of 2020, because if 2020 has taught us anything, hopefully it has taught us that as much as we'd like to believe that we experience things in universal-like ways, um, we don't. Uh, everybody's experience of this year has been vastly different, even as we've been completely linked by a collective experience that we've all been uh, having to navigate in whatever way we can. Uh, Some people have had lucky pandemics in the same way that my dad had a lucky Second World War experience. Uh, Others have had very, very, very unlucky pandemic experiences. And then there are those of us who are somewhere in the middle of that. Most of us will be in the middle of that. And even if you've had a great year, there's probably been some hard things within it. And even if you've had a hard year, I hope that there have been little moments and nuggets of something good. that has come into your life for whatever reason during these hard times, these times which we no longer are allowed really to be calling unprecedented times. They're precedented now by the previous parts of the year. So we can't call this unprecedented. It all happened before in March. So yes, so I do these check-ins Every year I've been doing it since uh, 2014, where I think about what happened in my previous year and uh, sort of have some consideration at least of what the next year might bring. Um, Getting Better Acquainted is still currently on hiatus. There haven't really been any episodes of the show uh, since uh, it hit 350 uh, back towards the end of 2018. There's been a few extra episodes. There's been some other things that have gone out on the Getting Better Acquainted feed, but Getting Better Acquainted, the weekly show where I have conversations with the people that I know, is currently not happening, but it may happen in the future. The future is unwritten and we don't know what's to come. And even if Getting Better Acquainted is not Uh, something that happens again. There will definitely be, I'm sure, more things that go out on the Getting Better Acquainted feed. In fact, in 2020, a lot more things went out on that feed than they did the year before. Um, So I feel like maybe this is a less surprising thing to appear in your podcast feeds than it was last year. And the year started before all of this pandemic business happened. I mean, if we think back uh, to January, I had no idea what was coming. I'm sure most of you didn't have an idea of what was coming. I did get a sense a little bit before the pandemic that there was a pandemic on the way. I was being cautious earlier than the government was, uh, but I had no idea in uh, in January 2020. In fact, I hit the ground running uh, in January. I was excited to suck the marrow out of life. I had uh, a project that was funded that was happening almost immediately. So I had to 
do loads and loads of work uh, for the project to be at the place where I had promised it would be to the funders uh, so that I could get it into a situation where I could make it in a relatively short space of time. So I was hitting the ground running. I also had another project which I was expecting to happen, which was one of many projects this year, which sounded like they were going to happen, but then didn't for whatever reason. I don't know what reason because um, it's not just in personal relationships that people ghost you. Uh, clients ghost freelancers all the time. Um, and this year they've had a hundred percent excuse. Uh, like it's absolutely valid to ghost people during a pandemic. I'm certainly not judging any of those organizations who got excited about something and sounded like they were going to give me money for something and then nothing more was heard from them. I have no issue with those organizations. Some of them I'm sure have gone bust and bad things have happened to. But anyway, I hit the ground running with lots of things happening. I thought I was going to be super, super busy. Uh, I was super, super busy, like literally during January, February, March, (laughs) March. I was really, really busy. But yeah, I I jumped into the year. I went to London like really early in January, met up with the other people who'd received the Pulse Awards from the Wellcome Trust and the British Podcast Awards um, and uh, started making Down to a Sunless Sea memories of my dad, which was a complicated thing to be making because it was about my dad and uh, his life. But it was also about his experiences of being someone living with dementia. It was about our relationship. So it was about a lot of the sad grief things that come with your dad getting older and stopping being the person that he was. As much as it was about the joy and the, the, the wonder and the love that he put into my life. But anyway, it was it was uh, in many ways kind of mayhem for me. I had to uh, book lots of interviews all over the country, uh, which I did. I ended up because of the way these things go. They ended up being basically booked for two weeks. And those two weeks were kind of the two weeks before like the pandemic really became a thing when we were all like just starting to work out what the hell was happening. I was traveling all over the country. I was traveled to Scotland. Uh, I traveled to different parts of England and I uh, was interviewing experts about science and, uh, and, and, and history and uh, social sciences and all sorts of things like that. So I was really busy. I was really active. I was really out there in the world. I was documenting it all. So there's lots of pictures of me in all different parts of the the country. Uh, But as that was happening, one of my my clients started getting worried about a recording that I was uh, meant to be doing in a couple of months and sort of saying, should we be booking in in in-person recording? And that was when I was like, "Uh, should I be doing what I'm doing now? Uh, But I am. Um, And so, yeah, I, I sort of did those interviews, did the last one and sort of felt like as I was kind of coming back to my home I felt a bit like I was Indiana Jones or whatever rolling under the stone coming down to block the passage um, and I was just getting out in the nick of time and then I yeah stopped going out literally stopped going out so I was in intensely social for two weeks and then no socialness happened after that um the two weeks were kicked off with a writing retreat um in a friend's house in one of the kind of uh, countryside bits just outside of london uh we had a wonderful time uh with some great friends i wrote a final piece for the show about my dad the last of the narrations i wrote there and i, th- I thought very hard about it I, although of course things would change change um, and a pandemic would happen and so I had to eventually when I did the series I had to kind of add in a little bit about the pandemic and also it changed some of the, the the things that happened within that series although most of that series was really outside of the pandemic which was a real gift to me because I was then editing uh, editing and editing the show and uh, had some brilliant help from uh, Martin's Zoltz Oswick, who was my my mentor uh, that was given to me by the Pulse Awards, but he he also happens to be uh, a close friend of mine. So the best kind of person to be talking through really deep, kind of complicated, emotional stuff with, which is inevitably some of what happens when you're working on a show like Down to a Sunless Sea. 
But obviously I wasn't leaving my house. I didn't even exercise. I didn't even like basically during the time that I was editing down to a Sunday sea, I would do Monday to Friday would be editing constantly. Um, and then I was made sure I took the weekends off for my own mental health. I would have done that pandemic or not, but with the pandemic, it became even more important. And what I did during the weekends was I read books uh, from my childhood to a certain extent or or books that I hadn't read yet, but that came from my interest in reading that I had as a child. So I, I reread the Chronicles of Prydain and I reread uh, and read a new book by Jane Yolen who wrote these books about dragons uh, and like looking after dragons um and I re you know I read um the Tiffany Aching books uh, by Terry Pratchett which I'd read a couple of uh when I was a younger person but I hadn't read the entire series and of course that series ends with the last book Terry Pratchett wrote uh which was a book that he wrote uh when he was experiencing living with dementia like my dad and it was a book that uh that was the final book he wrote like it was kind of about in some ways his own death and so it kind of felt like i had it felt like a, a very appropriate book to read during making down to a sunless sea but it was also a book that that a little bit like many things i had not looked at uh because i did not want to go there i did not want to read that last book um and so it was the time that i chose to to complete complete that experience uh to read Pratchett's final book to sort of say goodbye to Pratchett uh, as I said goodbye to my dad as I said goodbye to the pre-pandemic world because yeah down to a sunless sea I started releasing it the day after lockdown one happened in the UK so obviously we'd known about the pandemic but before the lockdown happened, social distancing measures had already been come in like officially a few weeks before that. I'd been socially distancing a little bit before even that happened. Um, and yeah, I just didn't leave my house. Uh, I didn't do any exercise. I, I eventually went out like a couple of times within that period to a very close little wood near my house that had a good one-way system so I could kind of mostly rely on the idea that I wouldn't physically come close to people. Um, and I kind of put myself into that bubble, you know, willfully. And, in, and I kind of enjoyed it in some ways. It was such a big topic, my dad and death and, and grief and all of those things and all of the love and memories and all of those things that it did distract from the, the, the global chaos and terror going on around me. It did actually allow me to, to kind of put my head into that space. Uh, and so whilst, of course, I was worried, uh, of course, I had lots of anger and sadness and frustration and, and all of the things that happened uh, during that time, uh, during this whole year, I had a better time of it because I had something to properly distract me. It wasn't great for the show in some ways, Putting out a show the day after a lockdown happens isn't the best for publicity. Um, it's not the best for getting people to listen to a show uh, about death and uh, old age and being an incredibly vulnerable person within the world when there's a pandemic going on. It wasn't about COVID, mostly. Hardly ever mentioned it. Um, so it wasn't topical, but it wasn't a distraction in the same way that, that many of the, the things that we listened to and watched and read were during that time. It wasn't a way of escaping. It wasn't uh, some fantasy books you read when you were a child. It was the cold, hard reality in some ways, although it's not a very cold or hard uh, series. Uh, it was the kind of things that people didn't want to look at. So even though I was finding looking at those things to be a, a buffer from the, the, the world around me. I don't think that's how uh, listeners necessarily found it. Also, during that time, I started to speak to my dad a little bit more than I had, um, because obviously he was super isolated uh, in the, the care home that he was in. Um, and so me and my siblings did our best to uh, to contact him through video chat in as many different ways as we could uh, during the pandemic. Uh, I had a policy not 
to go and visit him um but that was because other people were visiting him so uh, as that stopped happening i became part of the kind of vanguard of of family members trying to to offer him some comfort some company during a time when he had nothing really and even the the few things that he vaguely enjoyed about his life like uh, going to a singing group or seeing a dog uh those things became uh, not available to him uh and also i needed to speak to him because I, I intended to do one final interview with him in person um, but I couldn't do that because of the pandemic and so I ended up doing it uh, over FaceTime uh, luckily it was the only time this year that I've spoken to him where he recognized me um, the rest of the time he didn't recognize me I was sort of seeing him regularly I also was seeing my family in those calls as well as him so I was kind of seeing my family that side of the family a little bit more than I than I had been um, so that kind of made me social the other thing that happened during the pandemic which is a surprise to me is my other side of the family we've been having a family zoom two o'clock on the dot every Sunday like at least for two 40 minute chunks, because obviously you get kicked out of Zoom after the first 40 minutes. So we come back for at least a second time, uh, sometimes a third time. So I've actually seen my family more this year in a weird way than I, than I normally would. Although I've seen them obviously physically, not really at all. There was one time very late in the year when my brother and his wife, uh, dropped me a computer. So I saw them at a distance with masks on. But that's the only kind of physical kind of connection with my family I've had all year. But I have seen my family every week and in fact seen them like more regularly. I feel more friendly and more happy about the family as a as a as a thing in my life. I'm surprised that I have found it uh, to be the thing that has got me through this intensely unsocial time. And I, I weirdly think and this is not a comment on how it's individually when I meet up with family members, but I think uh, that weirdly for that part of my family, the the best way of meeting up is through Zoom. It actually mitigates some of the tensions that happen when we uh, see each other in person and has actually been a very uh, good way of uh, of us all connecting and uh, bonding and, and, and not kind of having within family stress around things, which I won't go into but which like I say I'm pleased uh, have been improved by this year I, I think of that first lockdown as like a weird possible time when things could have gone well and it's it's interesting to think about like at the time the clapping after the first couple of times uh, became annoying became something that represented more than than just thanking our NHS but at the same time now I'm like where's the clapping I wish we still had the clapping another example of that is you know during the entirety of the first lockdown my estate agents sent um, a daily newsletter called the daily rainbow where they found quizzes and and human interest stories and kept everyone jollying along and i hated that i hated it i thought it was a kind of disrespectful of an estate agent to think that it has the right to uh to to be that kind of presence in its in the people who are forced through circumstances of the world to have to rent from them I found it annoying to get that daily rainbow. I was annoyed by it every time I got it. Like there were like quotes from it I shared on Twitter to demonstrate how kind of tone, uh, tone unaware that those newsletters were. But then now I'm like, where the hell are those newsletters? Lockdown too. Where was my newsletters? So I, I miss those good days of lockdown. <laughs> lockdown one. Uh, then there was the kind of weird time in between lockdowns where I remained exactly the same as I was in lockdown one um, and the rest of the world sort of changed in certain ways and, and not in others. Everyone was uh, uncertain of what was happening. I found those months probably the hardest uh, because there was no no community. There was no communal feelings about how to do things. It felt like I was judged for wearing a mask. It felt like I was judged for trying to protect other people. I was super aware of how confusing and stressful uh, it was for everybody. And I was really aware that the complete mixed messages we were getting were only going to cause worse things to happen, as I think has been played 
out. Um, but that said, uh, once uh, I finished doing Down to Sun the Sea, I, I kind of finished putting it out in July. Um, that's when I sort of opened up my mind a bit to the rest of the world. Uh, we got a stationary bike. I started moving again. I discovered from not moving during lockdown one that guess what? You can hate having a body. You can feel like you want to just be a brain floating in a jar, but your body doesn't care about that. It'll just atrophy if you don't use it. And I was in so much pain um, in loads of ways. Who knew you could get so much pain from doing nothing? Uh, I guess quite a lot of people knew that. Uh, I guess I knew that intellectually, but I had never felt it. Um, I felt it this year. So we got ourselves a stationary bike. We started going uh, out for walks and adventures. Uh, we learnt uh, the walks we could do without any public transport from our from our home, and which is great. We, we forced us to find new routes, to find, to, to, to brave the country roads, which we had previously been relatively afraid to walk down the close walks near to my house i mean when i say close walks i'm talking like you know 20 20 mile walks like 70 mile walks 15 mile walks nothing under like 12 um and uh so close is not it's a, it's a relative term but like a, a walk that you can leave your house walk and then come back to your house and have gone to an amazing place. Like we went to Clotha Pike, which is a, a kind of, uh, well, it's a pike, which is kind of a mountain hill in uh, in the forest of Boland. It was probably our, my favourite of our places that we went to, although we went to many wonderful places. Um, and Clotha Pike was like covered in heather. Again, it was like it all waterfalls everywhere. I mean, that was like, these are unusual things to see. But because I've been starved of the usual things, seeing the unusual things was like a hundred times more impressive. Like, whoa, a waterfall. Like, whoa, whoa, uh, a beautiful view, the sea, you know. So, so the, 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 the less common things that I always love in deep ways um, were made deeper, were made brighter were made more amazing this year really you know the thing about covid is that it has meant that really minor mild things that you haven't done in ages become great like it becomes like a hollywood movie when you go out for a walk like one of the first times i went out of the house i had a lot of listening to do i had to listen to a whole series of a podcast and uh i couldn't do it on the stationary bike because i just kept getting distracted when i was trying to listen to it so i decided that the thing to do would be to go out on a long walk along the canal uh, and be as physically distant as i could but listen to the to the podcast while i was walking um and that was like a, a kind of hallucinogenic experience i was like water grass ripples like just really mundane things sky trees like look at this like flowers oh my god it was like amazing uh experience and there's been lots of that uh it has made me appreciate the things that i have taken for granted um, and similarly, you know, the two weeks when I traveled all over the country before uh, locking down, um, they, they were a great two weeks, but they have only grown in my memory because they were the last times that I saw people and, and, and visited and, and went out and, and was in the world. So I, I kind of remember them, you know, really positively. Um, I can't remember if I was always happy during those, those weeks. I mean, traveling is quite annoying at times. Uh, so, uh, but they have kind of taken a bigger, a bigger place in my mind because I've just not, not done anything like that. And it's funny. I mean, going into 20, 20, you know, one of my big things I wanted to do was be more social and go out more and find more ways of making community with other people. I kind of have achieved that in some ways with my, my family, but that's not particularly a wider community. I haven't really achieved being social more or finding ways to be in community with people uh, at all, apart from my family. I've literally, since March, only really seen Jen. And actually, you know, I understand everyone's experiences are different. And I really, really feel for, for single people during this pandemic. It must have been so hard. It's still going on. So it still is hard. People with children, I think that's also been a different kind of incredibly hard. Uh, and I feel for, for people in all circumstances, people who had to work, people who lost work, uh, people who have had kind of bereavements, many, many 
many people, more and more people having bereavements. I feel for all of those people, but I, but I also think that, the, that there's a bit of a truism that's going on about how uh, the best situation to be in during this pandemic is being in a, in a relationship. I think that's, that's not that true. Um, lots of people have, split up as a result of the pandemic as well as people um cohabiting much earlier than they intended to whether that's been good or bad for them that's been a thing that's been thrust on them as someone in a relationship where we both worked from home already and neither of us lost jobs i cannot deny that there is incredible luck uh, and privilege about that it's definitely been a year where i've kind of been repeating the mantra uh we're so lucky but like through gritted teeth you know because it's not been easy it's just been easier than other people but one thing i would say about being in a relationship uh even a happy one where where we you're, you're mostly functional um when you're in a relationship and you're both working from home you may be in the same house but you can't like you're not actually being social uh social you know you're still waiting till the other one is available and jen's been very busy with work this year so i've been alone a lot in a house with uh someone else in it uh which has its own good things and bad things about it certainly when i lost my dad and i have had my own bereavement uh which happened you know late November so kind of happened in the kind of uh midst of the second lockdown and so I I didn't go to to his cremation I didn't I didn't have that experience for better or worse that I, I thought it was not safe to do that and I didn't um technically I maybe could have done you know we can all argue about what's safer what isn't I have no interest in that at this stage in the year I do not feel like I told anyone so uh, I didn't have anyone to tell so I have no pleasure in things ha having gone as terribly as I feared I really wished that I was wrong so many times this horrible year but anyway when the bereavement happened that was very hard you know Jen still had commitments and I just needed some social things that just can't happen I couldn't see my family I couldn't uh I could be hugged but not as much as as was you know I maybe needed or wanted uh, I was definitely very alone uh kind of uh feeling like I was kind of going a little bit mad um and putting a lot of pressure on Jen who's done her absolute best to be the most supportive person that she could be but she's only one person and she's got her own grief for my dad having died she loved him too and she's also got her own grief because uh she's grieving not being able to see friends not being able to see family you know christmas not going as she might have hoped uh it's a hard time to be someone supporting people and i think we need to remember that you know it's not as easy as just those people seem like they're in a good circumstance those people seem like they're in a bad circumstance within the circumstances that we're in things can still go very well or very badly you know some people will have been single and enjoyed this year i know it sounds weird for those of you who are not in those circumstances uh but uh, it will have been not universal, as I said at the beginning, for us all. I've been lucky I didn't lose my regular gigs. So the restart project happened monthly, even though recordings went remotely. I carried on doing Made of Human weekly for Sophie Hagen. I did bits of the breakup monologues for Rosie Wilby, although that was a live show in the past. So it, that was very disrupted by this, by this weird year. I made Down to a Sunless Sea, as mentioned, and that was reviewed, uh, in, I think, July or June by Miranda Sawyer in, in the, in the Observer. So that was recommended by her. Um, and the show has definitely touched lots of people. They've given me feedback on that. Maybe in a different year, it would have hit a bit bigger, but it's still there and people can come to it when they can. As said, I've lost bits of work uh, here and there. Um, I did get another regular gig. I've been doing some teaching, uh, teaching people how to do podcasting remotely. I haven't really enjoyed that. Uh, I'm not sure that I feel confident in that as a process, uh, but it has given me a little bit of extra money when I needed it. I also got an extra gig. I got a good piece of work from uh 
the folk at Farmerama who did a did a series called Who Feeds Us. So they got some funding to do it so they could pay people well. And they got six different producers to produce different episodes of the series. I was one of those six. My episode was episode four and it was all about bread. And I spoke to uh, two different uh, bakers about what, how they had changed what they were doing um, in relationship to the pandemic and how they had supported their communities with the bread that they were making and I talked to uh, a miller who is a volunteer in uh, the windmill in Brixton which many people don't know about uh, and they were talking about milling flour during the pandemic and supporting people to make bread during the pandemic. I loved doing all of that, that kind of filled my August up and it was great. I mean I've been, that's the thing I'm incredibly lucky that I've been able to have these conversations with people about their lives and had these very social windows of finding out, you know, not just through uh, the work I did around uh, with, with Farmerama, where I spoke to those people, but also uh, regularly I've been talking to people through the Restart Project. Uh, so I've been talking to people about different kinds of ways they've navigated their pandemic or about issues that are unconnected to the pandemic sometimes. And so I've been incredibly lucky to be able to do those things. I really think that I've made some of the best work of my uh, career in inverted commas. This year, I've made the kind of work that I've wanted to make, like edited and, and well created and, and uh, sound designed. Um, I've written a, a song because I wrote the themed music uh, and the music for uh, Down to a Sunless Sea. So I've had a bit of a uh, bit of music in my in my year. Do you remember you? responded to things like the lockdown or my dad dying those kinds of things so music has been in my life a bit more in terms of making music it's also been in my ears a lot more I've uh, you know when the chips are down I find the mediums I go to uh, apart from books written for children or teenagers is uh, is music and poetry those are the things when the chips are down. I've even written some poetry at times, like when my dad died, the classic, the, the big one, the big one, the big moment of the year. And so, yeah, those sorts of things have infused my life this this year. That said, I have been rejected from pretty much all funding I have applied for myself this year, uh, even though I was lucky last year to get some funding. I've kind of planned a couple of different podcast projects, which I was excited about that didn't happen because I didn't get the funding. Uh, I didn't get nominated for any award, even though I partly made Down to a Sunless Sea designed to be uh, an award like getting a show. See what happens when you get too big for your boots. Uh, your boots don't fit you. So that's what happened uh didn't get any of the awards uh that i was tried to get nominated for i did judge some awards i i judged uh some awards this year and that was an interesting process being a gamekeeper when i'm used to being a poacher it was interesting to see and i hope that i advocated for the kind of work i want uh to get awards i was happy with the uh the final list that we came to in the category i was judging um so that was an interesting experience listening to lots of different submissions from people whilst riding on a stationary bike. The award that I was judging on for the Audio Production Awards was lockdown related it was the, the the lockdown special award so i have listened to loads and loads of different lockdown related pieces of audio this year and made some because uh, i made a one episode of down to a sunless sea that that covers the lockdown experience as a as a person trying to contact uh someone who lives with dementia in a in a, in a care home during a pandemic and i made the uh the who feeds us episode and some restart episodes so i'm really really aware of a lot of different people's 
those experiences of the pandemic, uh, which has meant that I'm very aware of how ununiversal it is. For example, the last episode that we put out of the Restart Project this year is about someone who makes uh, firework displays using lasers, like to replace firework displays. And he has had a very successful year. Everybody's wanted his work. His work has actually probably done better than it ever would have done because people wanted lasers when they couldn't have fireworks. People wanted things that could collectively be experienced from a distance. And so it was exactly good for him. That said, uh, all of my friends work in the arts. Uh, so I've also seen many, many people lose work, lose livelihoods, lose their minds to a certain extent um, this year. So I'm, I'm, and I'm very aware of how, how that works. And we've got to remember, luck is a thing. It is real, but it is also, you know, not completely unrelated to the structures that are around us you know like more people would be lucky if we'd have supported people through this pandemic if the government had given us adequate support to stay home to not work to look after ourselves to look after each other then there would be more lucky people not just the few who have been lucky but more lucky people. More people would have done all the wonderful things that we've talked about, but like writing novels or finding new interests. You know, we could have got more good things from the restrictions that we've had around us. We could have learned more ways to get the best from a bad year, but we we haven't been supported to do that. That is well and truly on the government. Obviously, my blame is always going to remain on the government I know that maybe it's easy. You can say that people haven't always treated the restrictions and the regulations in a way you might hope, but I don't think that they've been given the information to be properly informed about the reality of their actions. And I also think that there's been so much confusion that it's hard to even blame people for giving up, for rolling their eyes, for deciding it's all a load of nonsense. They're wrong. Obviously, they're absolutely wrong. We need to keep protecting ourselves and each other so it goes that is the world that we have lived in we didn't have to live in this world like last year's reflection that i did for gba about the new year was talking about how change can happen we've been so shown that this year change happened against our will things did change but we also collectively in a way at least in the uk and when i say collectively it was government down but we have digged our heels in and refused to change we've tried to stay normal we've tried to make the world the way that it was before and it wasn't good before the pandemic it really wasn't there was loads and loads of horrific inequality there was and still is the rise of right-wing authoritarian fascist thinking all around the world it wasn't good to return to that, to return to a world with massive climate change that we're not doing anything about should not be the aim. It has been the aim, though. It remains the aim. It's been that aim that has made Christmas so devastating and so hard for so many people. But no one wants to hear more negatives, more political stuff. Uh, in this year no doubt many people have already got fed up of how much i've been talking about uh the pandemic already and maybe many people will have will have turned off already um so i wanted to end uh this reflection with a kind of list of the good things that i did manage to get out of my i'm very lucky in a pandemic year yeah they're small uh some of them and some of them are big uh, in some ways, um, but they're all the things that I'm like, yes, that was a good moment. So, so first off, uh, I got some excellent purple slippers that I love. They're beautiful to look at. They remind me of the kinds of slippers that my dad used to wear. And they're kind of symbolic of, 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 of other kinds of clothes that I've got this year. I, I've managed to order in from time to time uh, some really lovely clothes that I've really enjoyed wearing. Um, and I've enjoyed wearing them more because I haven't even had to worry about going outside because I haven't been going outside. So I've just been able to be my myself as much as I liked in within my own home. Um, 
I've discovered, or at least I think I already was aware of Epsom salt, uh, but this year with all my pain in my body and the walks out that we've done uh, in the cold and uh, windy and wet climates, I've come to appreciate the wonder and magic of Epsom salt. I put it in every single bath now, not just when I'm in pain, because it just makes my body alive. And I guess that's a thing. You know, I, I don't like my body. I don't like being in my body in many times in my life. I've hated it. I guess I've come to appreciate my body more uh, through the pandemic. Uh, the relief that is given to me when I uh, am in a bath surrounded by Epsom salts uh, and uh, aromatherapy oil, uh, my preference being geranium or lavender, uh, but I also like uh, cedarwood and some others. Um, but those kind of sensory experiences uh, that have been essential for many of us because we have not been getting any sensory experiences in general have made me, you know, enjoy my body more enjoy myself more i super enjoyed like in a really deep way uh the haunting of hill house which is a series a kind of mini series that went out a few years ago on netflix but i watched this year i loved it i absolutely loved it i know people have a lot of different opinions about it some horror fans don't think it's any any good uh i watched it twice this year so I watched it with Jen the second time she doesn't like horror she did love the series so that's a good sign to me I enjoyed it for all kinds of reasons I watched it uh, the first time a little bit before my dad died I watched it the second time after my dad died I found it uh, exactly what I needed it's been in general a year where I've a lot of people have discovered how brilliant TV can be uh, to get us through. Uh, we're not no longer thinking of watching TV series as just being escapism, or at least if we are, we're seeing that escaping is sometimes a very important thing uh, for your own kind of mental health. Um, so The Haunting of Hill House, I absolutely loved. Uh, I won't go into why I love it too much. I know that some people don't like it or don't rate it, uh, but everything's personal in our relationship with art. Uh, and I recommend uh, giving that a, a watch if you want to watch a perfectly constructed like clock of a show. Like it's like a, a puzzle in all of the best ways. Um, I loved it. Um, talking of things I loved, I was introduced to a picture book called The Remember Balloons, which I absolutely loved. It's for children who uh, might be uh, experiencing someone with dementia in their life. Like it's it's written uh, for like a grand child about their grandparent but I think that adults will also get stuff out of it particularly adults who need to talk to their children about a, a situation like that um, I came to it far too late like all of the children in my life are too old for that book or or not old enough yet like they're at the age where they'll be not into getting given a picture book but I loved it and I now own it I recommend you get it for people. Um, I came across that because I was a guest on a podcast called uh, Even the Trunchbull uh, that is uh, made by some friends of mine, Nina and Matt. They had me on to help me promote uh, Down to a Sunless Sea. But really what I got to do in that episode is talk about my love of the Moomins. We were looking at uh, Moomin Land in, in November, uh, but we were also uh, looking at the Remember Balloons. And that's how that came into my life. That was, again, another lovely social moment, like like we recorded for quite a few hours, even though the end edit is much shorter. And it was just great to spend some time with some good friends talking about books uh, and uh, enjoying myself. It also kind of inspired me to do what I did to, in the second lockdown of reading uh, Moominland Midwinter in a completely unedited podcast, which has gone out on the uh, Getting Better Acquainted feed and will exist till kind of the early January and then I'll be deleting those episodes so if you want to listen to that go back and listen to it um, doing that experience was a weird one I also was videoing it uh, again unedited uh, I didn't like it I didn't like seeing myself in a video form I didn't like not editing it but I did feel it was important to try and connect with people and it was really useful to reflect on the lessons of Moominland Midwinter uh, around both the pandemic and my dad's death like there's a lot about dealing with death in that book that I didn't know was coming up and I didn't know it would fall so neatly with my my dad dying but it did 
And uh, that's something I'm very grateful for. Um, the Red Lantern computer game uh, that you can get on your PC. Uh, I recommend that. It was a wonderful experience that me and Jen have, have done together, uh, where you basically you are uh, going out across the Atlanta wilderness with a team of dogs, uh, like on a, on a sort of uh, a dog sled. And uh, a lot of it involves like petting dogs, getting their trust. Uh, there's a lot of like like survival in the wilderness. It's a very kind of simple in some ways game. There's not actual much agency that you have uh, as a player of it, but it was perfect for the pandemic. Going out into beautiful landscapes with some dogs that are very beautifully done, like the the animation of the dogs and the the wilderness wilderness is is wonderful. So that was a great uh, thing in my life. I've already mentioned it, but the stationary bike has been great um, and something that I will be doing probably uh, when the pandemic's over. Like my life already was sitting in front of a computer all day editing and not going out, and the whole day going by and then not having time to have been out for a walk or done any exercise. The stationary bike offers me an opportunity to do a little bit more exercise in my life and it's great actually for using when when things are mixing down if you're an audio person you often have to have time that's kind of dead time where you're waiting for a mix down to happen but you can't really use your computer and you can't go away because you'll add time because you won't be there when it does mix down Uh, so now I can jump on the stationary bike ride on that for a bit jump off change the next thing on the mix down thing that needs to happen, go back on my stationary bike and I have not lost time in the same way. So that was great. Uh, finishing Terry Pratchett, reading his last book, The the Shepherd's Crown was, was great, was brilliant. Reading the Tiffany Aching books all the way through uh, was great. Reading books in general, I've read so many more books than normal, even though it seems weird to say that because I haven't for a bit now. Uh, so as soon as I get out of the habit of reading books, I'm like, I never read, I never read. Uh, but I do read. I have read this year. I've read a lot more books than normal. And that has been really valuable and uh, such a such a salve during these times. Uh, as mentioned, discovering close area long walks and especially clotha pike i've mentioned that so i won't go into that too much uh the the artwork that my brother has done this year has been outstanding and and moving to me uh he made a, some beautiful artwork for down to a sun the sea that incredibly moved me uh he gave me a present for christmas which was a print of a piece that he made where he did a kind of collage of bits of our dad's life um but in the style of everybody's wall which was a thing that my dad did where every he uh invited guests and children and everybody to draw on his walls in felt tip pen and co co-create a kind of beautiful piece of collective graffiti my brother made a kind of piece in tribute to that and he gave it me for christmas my favorite thing i got very beautiful my brother's artwork has come on in leaps and bounds. Uh, look him up. He's Tony Pickering. Uh, I'm always linking to him. Find his stuff, buy his stuff. Uh, his work is getting better and better. Um, my dad's obituary, a weird thing to say that I really enjoyed, but I did really enjoy it. It was a really great piece of uh, writing by Patrick Russell, who was a friend of my dad's and who I uh, talked to quite a lot during the process of it being written uh, to check details for him and to give me give my 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 feedback on his piece of writing. Uh, it's available on the Guardian's website. It may or may not have gone out in print yet. They haven't. People important people keep dying so. It keeps getting pushed from the print, but it's there on the website. So look that up. Uh, it was really interesting for me to read because it's, you know, I've just, I just made this piece of 18 episode series about my dad's life. Um, and yet, uh, I still learned things from that, from that, uh, obituary, but also, uh, it's interesting to see my dad's career from the outside, from someone who knew him, but also knew the the world that my dad's career existed within because Patrick works for the BFI and, and, and knows the film world that my dad was working in. For my dad's funeral, I made a playlist um, and that got some very nice feedback here and there from the people who were um, listening to it in separate locations at the same time. Like we were all, in theory, those of us who wanted to do it, press play at the same time, one forty on the day of his of his cremation. And then we listened to that and sort of drunk um, whatever was appropriate. We had a 
a, a, a sip of whiskey, me and Jen, uh, but then we poured the rest on the Christmas pudding. Uh, we had, I drank tea and ate a Toblerone. Uh, we had my dad on a video on our screen, muted though, so he was being interviewed by the BFI on our screen. So he was in, he was very much himself, being physically himself on that screen. Um, and we listened to the extended playlist that I also made, which was a Spotify playlist, which people could listen to if they wanted a longer experience, which included all of the f- songs from different people in the family and different perspectives that people had about my dad that funeral itself was a wonderful uh experience and after we kind of uh had our our sort of front room memorial service we then went and walked to the ashton memorial which is nearby and uh, put some flowers on a tree that played my dad in season three of the family tree like me and my brother did a scene where we were pretending that the tree was my dad because in the in the narrative of the family tree the character of my dad became a tree that's a bit complicated but the point is there's a place that means something to me uh in relationship to my dad that is in lancaster and nearby and we went and put flowers there so that was a kind of a beautiful uh funeral i think it might have been my like i think i prefer it to a normal funeral because there was no worry about being seen by other grievers and other mourners it was just me and jen we could cry or not cry as much as we like we could hold each other or not hold each other as much as we like because we were the only people there it was sad not to be able to be with family members don't get me wrong i wish i could have hugged my sister and my niece my brother but within the circumstances it was a great funeral a great memorial that we had um it also influenced me to make my own funeral playlist which is way long it's like three hours so i'm sure that the people who are alive won't use it but they have the opportunity they have the songs there they know the songs that mean something to me um and it's a fun thing to do it's like a kind of the ultimate desert island discs um but for your life um and uh yeah, it's funny what makes the cut. Like some songs are not appropriate at a funeral, whereas other songs are more appropriate at a funeral than any other time. Um, so it's interesting. That was interesting. I got back into making playlists. As I said earlier on, I listened to more music this year. So I made a COVID Christmas playlist, which is kind of a bit devastating, but also uh, not. And uh, was full of like songs that literally comment directly on the experience of Christmas time during COVID. Uh, even though most of them weren't written with that in mind, although some of them were. My local pizza place, which I was worried would go bust, instead doubled its kinds of pizzas, including a carbonara pizza in its new uh, white sauce based pizza part of its menu. So that was a great experience, a wonderful thing uh, for me. You can't enjoy it. Pepe Rosso, if it's if you live in Lancaster, but uh, but I was very pleased about it. I got new glasses. Uh, they're purple and they look great and I can see through them. My glasses before I didn't have as much peripheral vision. They had a lot of scratching on them. They were bent. So I would, had wonky uh, glasses on my nose for, for a c- couple of years. Um, so even I managed to do it in between lockdowns, uh, very carefully and cautiously. Um, and, uh, that has been, uh, great. They go really well with my fox print mask. I'm very pleased uh, with my COVID look. Um, I also, uh, because of the stationary bike, finally looked into a way of finding some boxer shorts that don't chafe. I'm very pleased with my uh, bamboo boxer shorts that don't chafe, uh, even if I wouldn't necessarily want to be wearing them for people to see. Uh, I would feel a bit exposed. They are quite deliberately tight i am very pleased to have found them i've got enough for a whole week now uh of them so i can have a whole week of no chafing good stuff uh good stuff um i discovered the podcast you're wrong about this year which is brilliant i really recommend it my favorite episode i listened to this year was uh the one about coco the gorilla but i also really enjoyed the recent one about the stanford prison experiment and i uh uh all of the episodes though are always great listen to you're wrong about i massively recommend it uh also as mentioned earlier on i listened to a podcast walking along a canal that was the podcast serial which is spelt with a c uh that was made by uh farmer armor it's kind of the the pre- prequel or the kind of the first 
part of what would go on to then become who who feeds us and whatever other series they do in the future serial was the first one it was great i really enjoyed it and uh it's another one of my big podcast recommendations uh for this year um i had discovered the podcast discovering dementia uh partly because of the fact that discovering dementia also got given the pulse award by the welcome trust and british podcast award so i met penny bell who was in that meeting early in January before we knew about the pandemic and she was the first person I interviewed for Down to a Sunless Sea because I wanted to sort of try it out with somebody who was a a fellow podcaster before I did my uh, interviews with proper big doctors and and, and important academics Um, and that was a a wonderful time getting to meet her like a week before the two week uh, intensity I sort of went met her and her two dogs had a lovely lovely time with them recorded the dogs actually because uh, I needed some dog sound effects for down to us on the sea um, so I got to meet her got to listen to her podcast which I found very useful and very informative and I actually wished that I'd known about it um, when I needed it you know a few years back before when I was uh, caring for my dad in a more direct way it might have helped me to be a better carer but also helped my family to make different decisions by the time that podcast came to me it was a little bit too late a little bit like remember balloons but if you have somebody who's living with dementia in your life or you have got dementia and you're, you're, you're in early stages or even, you know, later stages, you may get a lot from that show. So do give it a listen. Uh, I was also lucky enough to be interviewed by Penny later on about Down to a Sunless Sea. Uh, one of my favourite interviews I gave uh, this year about Down to a Sunless Sea, uh, where I got to talk about uh, all of the stuff that didn't go into the show, the actual making of it and how weird an experience that was. Uh, which is, you know, a lot of which has been covered in this year's roundup that I'm doing. The thing about when my dad died is he came back to me, like alive. I've been working so much with him as a person living with dementia, um, and I've been so aware of who he was at the end. And whilst I've been looking at his past loads, and in some ways had spent the time making down to a sun the sea with past versions of my dad, um, when he died, suddenly I was just with him again he was there with me like like he'd never had dementia like like i was re in love with him i guess i was surrounded by the positive versions of his life not the sad versions of his life that had come to to sort of uh, dominate my thinking around him he came back to me and and uh, we we cooked food uh, toad in the hole and macaroni cheese you know we ate food and meatballs and spaghetti all sorts of things that he used to cook we cooked and we ate and we celebrated him and his life um, and it was wonderful. And the, 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 the kind of the best day of that was, was his funeral was the, the day he was cremated, uh, where we couldn't go. Uh, that was the day that I felt the most with him. Not, you know, obviously I've looked back at lots of video of him and found new things like new pictures, new recordings even. Uh, so if I ever do a series two of Down to a Sunless Sea, which I may or may not do, uh, there's plenty of material there. I've also really, really enjoyed, uh, the two times I've got takeaway coffee when I've, the two times I thought it was safe enough to do so. Oh my God, that coffee has been the best coffee of my life because it's been so, uh, so longed for for so long. I mean, obviously I drink coffee uh, in my home, but it's different. The other thing that really helped me this year, which I really loved, was the video by Philosophy Tube called uh, Beauty in Ugly Times, which was about kind of making art within the pandemic, within these the more complicated and sad and ugly elements of, of, uh, of, of politics that are all around us. I know that he actually doesn't rate that video and doesn't consider it to be one of the best he's made but i do and i recommend it and if you're struggling making some art during these times uh i recommend giving that a watch And yeah, I mean, so it's interesting. Like the other thing that happened when my dad died is that uh, moral injury that I think that you could call my life up to that point around my dad had gone. So for the few years before he died, he wanted to die. He wanted uh, what he would call euthanasia or assisted dying. Other people might call it. Um, 
He wanted that, but I could not give it him. So I spent kind of my time in a kind of conflicted moral state whereby the thing I thought that I should morally do, I didn't want to do and wasn't going to do for many different reasons, uh, some of which were mine and some of which were uh, societies. And so I was living in this kind of sense of like, I am a, unable to do and be what I think I should be. And that kind of carried on a bit, even though I wasn't with him in the last few years. It was lessened a lot more um, because I wasn't visiting him and wasn't feeling that con constant accusation of like, I know what he wants and I can't give it him. When he died, that went, you know. Uh, lots of sadness, obviously, um, and relief in few different ways, you know, relief for him, uh, relief that you know he was not going to sort of be in isolation for long years of his life after all of the, the the struggles of dementia that he had already had up to that point relief in loads of ways but one of the ways that I was relieved was to no longer feel morally compromised and that is um probably you know one of the best things that's happened to me this year um that said of course nothing is is set in stone we all change all the time everything is a process so whilst i initially dealt quite well with the with the grief uh grief uh shifts about and i've actually had some really hard mental health days in fact just yesterday the day before i've been struggling quite a bit um so i'm not saying it's all good and it's all roses and that when one thing goes away that solves all your problems but that is a positive that definitely uh came out of this year for me and yeah, now I'm looking towards next year. I don't really know what to expect. I've got another regular gig to add to my regular gigs list. So uh, I can't quite announce that yet, but I will be announcing it relatively soon. Uh, I didn't get any funding for any of the things I want to make. So if I do make things, I have to find the funding myself or, or get different funding. <laughs> Either way, I haven't got a personal project on the go. I, uh, whether it's one that I'm doing with no money or one that I do with money, uh, there is not one. There is a list of things to do on my, uh, wall. There is a, a, a reorganized office space that I've reorganized, which now includes my, my dad's computer or my, my computer now, uh, which is a really, really good computer made in 2011. So it's not compatible with anything now. I can't get anything on it really, but it's in super good condition and, uh, it's a very good computer with a lot of storage. So it's kind of a, a mixed blessing. Um, but it's a, a, a blessing nevertheless and one that, that, re that came from my dad. So it's, it's doubly, uh, meaningful to me uh, my dad's picture is no longer in my room it was watching me for the last two years um, it was on my windowsill that picture is now in our front room there are lots of other pictures of my dad that we have also put up so my dad is all around me but when I'm working the only thing of his to, to remind me of him well not the only thing because there's quite a few other things in my room that now I'm looking around it uh, came from him originally but my new computer has uh, replaced the, the picture of my dad as the permanent reminder that I look at. I'm a blank slate to a certain extent. I don't know what my next year is going to mean in terms of personal projects. I certainly don't know what it's going to mean in terms of like life, when it will be safe to leave the house, when this kind of my imposed, I don't like the word lockdown, but my imposed uh, harm mitigation policy uh, that I have been doing since, you know, late February, March, whether that will, 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 will go away sooner or later uh, this year. Excited in some ways to find out what happens for me personally next year. Pleased to be going into the year in some ways with less of a, a burden on my shoulders from the, the moral injury or the having to make a show about my dad. So I, I in some ways feel freer. Excited to have new projects and existing ones and no, you know, I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. Um, but also, you know, terrified, uh, politically for what is going to come out of and come next out of this terrible, ridiculous, messy, awful year whereby the worst government that we've ever had has been in a situation where it was really important for us to have a really good government and we didn't have one uh so we shall see whatever comes though uh 
it's going to be more important than than ever to try and you know pull together and push back against the things that are literally killing people they literally were killing people before the pandemic like capitalism murders people inequality always causes more deaths um but now there's a lot of deaths and i'm recording this on the 31st of of uh december 2020 so we've like the day after the highest death toll of the pandemic there's probably going to be a higher one today when i look at the news uh my love my condolences my uh solidarity to all of you uh grieving now for whatever reason the last thing that i say to my guests on getting better acquainted is i ask them to say goodbye to the audience and that's what i'm going to do now so goodbye have as good and safe a new year as you can and remember that there are lots of ways to get better acquainted with people some of those ways are virtual some of those ways are physically distant but all of those ways help us to get to know each other better and the better that we understand where each other are coming from the better we can come together to collectively push the things to be better 